Welcome to Venture in the South, a weekly 30 minutes lighting the path to success for startups and investors in the Southern United States. Welcome to Venture in the South. This week, we are talking about Angel Investing 101. We decided it was time to take a step back from the weeds that we tend to get into in the podcast and give you the absolute basics overview of what angel investing is. So to start things off, um, I have a quick question for David. David, what is an angel investor? So an angel investor, in my view, is someone who has enough assets to qualify as an accredited investor, first of all, and then they have the interest to and, and wherewithal in terms of personal time and motivation to invest in this thing that we call startups, which is a specialized type of investing and shouldn't probably be a majority of your portfolio. Matter of fact, probably should be a minority, a significant minority of your portfolio in order to be adequately diversified. But yeah, so somebody that's investing in startups as a portion of their invested assets. Okay, good. Uh, this wouldn't be a Venture in the South podcast without some immediate disagreement between the two of us. So I'm going to go ahead with my answer and we'll see how they compare. So in my sort of articulation of an angel investor, an angel investor is anyone that invests their own money in some kind of business enterprise. This could be the way you describe it, David. So uh, an, a wealthier individual investing in a technology startup that they don't already run. But it could also be you as an entrepreneur setting up your own business and putting your own money into it. So I have a slightly wider definition of what an angel investor is. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think a lot of founders invest in their own businesses, obviously. So including them makes sense. They do. They don't always necessarily realize that they are being an angel investor when they do that. And there are some implications for that that we'll, we'll tease out as part of the episode. Um, yeah. But whosever definition you use, David's or mine, it, the, the fundamentals is putting money into companies. One of the things you said is that you need to be an accredited investor. So I, I do want to explore a bit about who can be an angel investor. And so you're using the, the term there, the accredited investor. Can you describe what that, what that is? So the IRS, or rather the SEC, has a definition, and it's available online. We, we have the link on our website. But it's someone who has a defined amount of assets or income, so either or. The assets would be basically a million dollars excluding your domicile or income of at least 200000 a year for two years running. If you're single, if you're married, it's 300000 a year for two years running. And if you, are, if you fulfill the criteria, then you are accredited in, in the definition the SEC put, and you're allowed to invest in startups as much as you like, as freely as you like, and whatever methods you like. It's worth making the listeners aware that it's not just opening the door for investors, but it's also filling the room with offerings. So the offering entity, like us, we're regulated by the SEC, and so we have to meet certain criteria about what we do. And we operate, so our fund operates under uh, 506C, so we have to fairly strictly validate uh, our investors as accredited investors. Whereas if you're investing in private group, like an angel group or uh, something like that, that fits under 506B. And so that's a more lenient definition of of an accredited investor, which you self-declare. You don't have to prove it. That's right. We'll have a separate episode, I think, about all the exciting rules around different 
public offerings of shares and all the different rules that go with it, 506B and C and all of those. Because we want to alienate our audience as quickly as possible. So that's a subject <laughs> that we'll do that efficiently. But you're right. So the typical way you think about angel investing is a wealthier person that fits those definitions that operates under what's called 506B or 506C rules. The good news is you don't actually have to be all of those things to make investments in startups. So you can be an unaccredited investor, so not wealthy enough to do that. And there are platforms that allow you to make investments on a much smaller scale, hopefully, because you, aren't, you don't have as many assets that you can invest, but you can still do it in, in different ways as long as you follow the rules that are stricter. But as long as you follow the rules and do it properly, even unaccredited investors can and perhaps arguably should make some small investments in startups as well. And, yeah, this and, is the Reg D crowdfunding regulation that was updated a few years ago. Yes. And we can certainly get into the weeds of all of that too. But I just wanted to make sure listeners are aware that what we're talking about here as an angel investor is not just wealthy people quietly hiding investments in startup companies. It can be anybody. And there's a good argument that even if you don't have tons of assets, as long as you've uh, only invest assets that you think you, you can lose and not be hurt by losing. There, there may be some merit in making a few small investments in other things than you know the things that you spend money on uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And anybody can do that. So trying to widen the audience and make sure people understand that, that they could do this if they wanted to. And you mentioned the allocation of the amount of money you put into ancient investing. So What's the general consensus about how much of your assets might be suitable for this kind of asset class? So if you look at the talking heads in the industry and recognized authorities and such, the, the general consensus centers around 5 to 15%, depending on your assets and your expertise and your interest. There are some that invest significantly more. For example, myself, I probably have a third of my total equity, investable equity in startups. But I do this pretty much full time. And so I'm, I'm probably falling in the category of a super angel as opposed to somebody who does it part time. Yeah. So for a regular person, the single digit percentages of your liquid investable assets is the sort of the rule of thumb that-, that Yeah, I think right? that's fair. Although there is a caveat here. And, and that is that you know, it's, it's commonly said that you shouldn't invest in startups unless you're willing to lose everything you invest. And I think that's particularly true for single company investments. But if you're investing in a fund and a fund has more than 20 investments, the probability of going to zero is extremely low. And so you, you may not make great money, but you're not likely to lose your investment if you have a diversified investment portfolio through a fund. That's right. Everybody says startup investing is risky, and that is not totally true. Investing in one single startup is extremely risky, but investing in a lot of startups is not that risky. Exactly. Yeah. And the same is true for investing in one publicly traded stock. Uh, it's the same kind of idea. Yeah. The, the, the beta is different. I mean, the beta for startups is wider than public equities, but the principle is the same. So as an angel investor, there's a bunch of different ways you could, you could be an angel investor, a couple of different um, methods you can do it. And I'd like to explore those a little bit. I think of the various options for angel investing in, in a couple of different sort of criteria. One is, who am I doing it with? So am I investing on my own or am I doing it in some kind of group with other people? 
uh, and that depends on people's level of interest in working with other people. But there are pros and cons to each of those uh, things. So the, well, I guess one of the first things you might do as a as aspiring angel investor is figure out, am I doing this solo or am I doing this in a, some kind of group setting? Yeah, I would, uh, I would generally caution angel investors about going solo right off the bat. I think that's the more risky approach unless they're in a fund where they're well diversified. Because there's so many nuances and traps and tricks and ways you can get screwed and lose your shirt. And there's a lot of benefit and experience in this field. And so being in a group like an angel group or angel list or something like that, you know, helps you get experience. And so if you've been in a group and have gotten your wheels and you kind of understand how things work and you got some experience under your belt maybe that's the time to go solo after that but i think starting out solo maybe not such a great idea definitely would agree with you the other criteria i use is how much effort are you going to put into this and that dictates whether you're going to be an active investor picking stocks making investments or a more passive investor where you are in some way relying on the work other people are doing and so you mentioned the fund there. I guess the most passive way to invest is pick a fund which has a fund manager or some mechanism for investing and outsource the investing to them. Right. Um, that's pretty passive. The other end of the spectrum is sort of what you do, where you find companies, you do all the work on evaluating them, and you make an investment in them actively. Yeah. Just to clarify, I don't really find them. They're fed to me by Venture South. So Venture South has amazing deal flow. And so I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but deal flow is critical ingredient to angel investing. And so I have access to really great deal flow, so I can pick and choose the investments I want to do from that deal flow. And, and there's more deal flow than I can, I can handle, honestly. Yep. So I guess you're outsourcing a portion of that, the, the deal flow part, keeping tighter control over your diligence work and, and your investment decision making. So yeah. that's kind of in, in the middle of that spectrum too. So those are the two things I, I, I think about. There's also, I guess, the question of what medium are you going to do it through? So are you going to do it in person by meeting entrepreneurs for a cup of coffee or in an angel group situation? Or are you going to do it online where you don't necessarily do that? Maybe you'll see a Zoom, maybe you'll read some slides, but you won't necessarily get to meet the entrepreneur. So how virtual do you want to do this is another criterion that you might want to consider. Yeah, I would, I would advocate for in-person angel groups for a new investor simply because those personal contacts can be extremely valuable and you get the benefit of experience of your peers over a period of time that's extremely valuable and you can morph into online or you know one-on-one -on -one over time venture in the south is brought to you in part by the rolling south fund a family of funds providing single company SPVs, a quarterly rolling fund, and soon a traditional fund of approximately 20 startups launching in 2023. Our funds are focused on high value, high growth startups in the southern United States with tax advantaged exits. For more information or to invest, go to rollingsouth.vc. So we've covered who can do this and we've covered sort of the different ways you might think about doing it. What are the most important things, in your opinion, that you would want to learn before you became an angel investor, David? 
Well, I would say the most important thing is to learn the the terms of the trade so you know what people are talking about. And so you need to learn how investments are made, what diligence is, what the tax implications are, all these technical things uh, you have to become familiar with because these are traps that you will definitely fall into if you're not familiar with them. Yeah, I would agree. Somewhat bad news for an aspiring angel investor is the terminology is sometimes pretty opaque, confusing. It's not, it's jargon. It's not everyday language. Um, some of it right. justified because some of what we're talking about here are concepts that you do need specific language for. Sometimes perhaps people go overboard with how complicated they make it sound um, yeah. with, uh, you know, rules and regulations and, and the jargon that we throw around. But it is important to try to at least get the handle on what some of the basic terms mean as a layperson, somebody you know, familiar with the jargon. So I'd agree, definitely take some time to at least understand the language uh, and those initial concepts. And we, we covered a lot of that in prior podcasts uh, in our podcast. So we've covered a lot of the, the details of getting started. So if listeners are interested in that, they can look at our previous 50 podcasts and find a lot of useful stuff that pretty much covers all of the basics of angel investing. Yeah, we, we do try to cover the concepts, right? Um maybe a glossary episode where we just read out terms and define them would be boring, but useful. Uh, that as would a way be boring. To help. <laughs> maybe that's a blog we want to post. <laughs> maybe. There actually, there are a couple of good glossaries of angel terms. Um, the Angel Capital Association has one. So there, there are a few places you can go to try to understand the concepts, the, the linguistic concepts a bit more too. So I agree. Yeah, terminology, some of the concepts are important. I put on my list of sort of the the two most important things for me, I think, are figuring out what your investment thesis is. Why are you doing this? Is it just to make money? If it is, great. If there's some other reason for it, like you want to hang out with smart people, great. You want to meet entrepreneurs, great. Uh, you want to contribute to your entrepreneurial ecosystem, great. Lots of reasons for it. And, but your, your personal reason somewhat dictates how you're going to do it and what you're going to prioritize. So I'd put that near the top of my list. And then I think the other thing that we've already talked about it before is deal flow. So regardless of why you're doing this and how, if you can't find the companies that are good, then you're not going to be successful as an angel investor and you're going to hate doing it. So having sources of deal flow that match your other things we've talked about, I think is, is critical for being a successful angel investor and having fun. And that, that may very well be one of the hardest levers to pull in angel investing is getting good deal flow because there's there's a lot of deals out there people looking for money for their business and a lot of them are not good deals and uh, some of them are outright fraud and so you have to be careful but also you need deal flow so you need to see lots of deals so you can pick something that fits your thesis and makes sense on diligence and uh, deal flow is coveted and and hard to come by, and so one needs to really respect the deal flow sources that that they may be able to develop. That's right. It does take some work to develop your own. You can shortcut it by using other people's in some ways, but whatever you do, you need to try to make sure you're seeing enough deals to decide whether the deals you're looking at are good ones or not. That's pretty subjective to say you need good deal flow. What does, that, what does that mean? How do I know if I've got good deal flow? Step one is have a lot of deal flow so you can start to figure out which deals you think are good. 
Yeah. Anything else that you think we should learn about as a an angel investor dipping your toes into into the water? Well, I think that uh, the I would just echo your emphasis on uh, strategy or thesis. I think you know most investors are going to tend to focus on areas that they're familiar with, and I would just make the case that that's not necessarily the best way to go because you lose a certain amount of diversity if you focus on an area that you're interested in or that you have knowledge of, recognizing the pitfalls of investing in industries that you have no knowledge. But that can be mitigated by uh, surrounding yourself with great peers that you can get feedback from, and maybe they are an expert and they can give you some insight that you don't have. And as you mentioned earlier, one common strategy is drafting. So you just follow somebody that you respect. And this is a common thing in Silicon Valley where it's it's common among big venture funds. I mean, FTX is a classic example where you had all these funds drafting on one another, nobody doing diligence, and they were just trusting the person in front of them. It went all the way back to the first round and, and there was no diligence on the first round. So Drafting is not the answer, but it is a, a tool. Yep. Trust, but verify and make sure that you're working alongside people you think have done extra work if you're not doing it yourself. Yeah. yeah. And they have a board of directors. So I think the takeaway from today's episode is angel investing sounds opaque and inaccessible sometimes or not clear about what it is. But if you look at it as people investing their own money in startups, in different ways, depending on what you know, their particular appetite for in-person versus online versus with other people versus concentrating versus diversification. It, it, it's actually pretty much more accessible and easier to do, easier to get into than you might think. And I, w- I would emphasize the, the other aspects of it uh, beyond making money is it's quite fun and uh, fulfilling. And it also does good. I mean, you're, you're facilitating innovation, not just for your community, but for the country and the world as a whole. I mean, some of these innovations are amazing. Over a period of time, they make our daily lives better. And being part of this innovation is quite fulfilling as an individual. So, you know, it's the American way to make money. It makes it more fulfilling if you can, uh, you know, bring new innovation to the marketplace and you can be part of it. And, and that's fun. That's our pitch. We hope you take the plunge and, and become an angel investor yourself. We yeah. are going to move on to a second episode in a little while um, uh, in the future where we, we explore some of these concepts in more detail, but hopefully that gives you the basics on angel investing 101. All right. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening. We're interested in feedback and suggestions, so email your thoughts to david at ventureinthesouth.com. This podcast is supported by Venture Carolina, a nonprofit focused on investor education and by the Rolling South Fund, a startup fund focused on early stage startups in the Southern United States.